Don and Carol Richardson moved to West Pape, Indonesia, with their six-month-old Steve in 1962. They approached the Swahi tribe carrying their child in their arms. What they didn't know is that carrying that child in their arms was a sign of peace. As they lived with the Swahi people and they began to explain the story of Jesus and the good news, the people interpreted the story as Judas, the betrayer, as the hero. You see, their culture idealized treachery and betrayal. They would befriend neighboring villages so they could betray them, kill them, and then cannibalize them. So it makes sense that Judas became the hero to them. And after a while of trying to convey them that Judas wasn't the hero of the story and what the good news was, they realized that the peace child was an important metaphor for their culture. After years of battle in their culture in their, with neighboring villages, in order for there to be peace, a tribe would, tribes would have to agree to exchange young infants. So would they give their infant to another tribe to let that tribe raise it, and the other tribe would raise the other infant, and they would raise them as their own. And as long as those child were alive, there would be peace between those villages. It was a peace child. So the gospel needed to be explained in these terms as Jesus, as the peace child that lives forever for us. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Luke 2.14, we get this recitation of, of this prince child, of this peace child, once again, as the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. We are restless people, wandering from anxiety to worry to sin to selfishness to anger to hatred, all back again to anxiety. We are constantly restless people because of our sin, because of the sin of others, because of the sin of the culture around us, systematic and societally based sin. We have a culture that is steeped in sin. Isaiah 48, 22 says this, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Well, you and I are wicked. There is no peace, and we are restless. After Jesus' brutal death and treatment by the ruling powers of the world, three days later, Jesus' followers are closeted and huddled Together, in John 20, 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked and where the disciples were there for fear of the Jews. Hiding, doors locked because of fear. The apostles and disciples are not in peace. They are not resting you can imagine them in that room just hiding. And I know when you are fearful, when you are mindful that people might be getting, if you have this mindset of conspiracies or things that are coming to get you, you listen to everything. And you've been in that place where you're listening and every little noise starts to creep you out. 
I can imagine them behind this door and hearing every noise outside of that room, the creeping of the floorboards or the rustling of the wind, and they would be, what's that? Scared, and their anxiety would raise and go back, raise and go back down. They feared. They feared because they feared the political leaders and the religious leaders who had just thwarted Jesus, who had just killed and tortured their leader, would do the same to them. We, we are always striving for peace. We are people that want peace because we know we are restless. In our soul, we look for rest. We look for a break. And right now, I think many of us are like, we just want a break from all of this. Not realizing that this actually might be our break. This might be our peace. We're looking for peaceful moments, maybe sitting on a beach, maybe far off in the mountains by a babbling brook. We look for peace away from people. There's never the image of peace when we're in a crowded room. We look for from peace away from our responsibilities, away from our worries, away from the war. You see, we are a people of war, always at war, always restless. John Lennon, in his 60s inspired and Yoko inspired bed-in song, Give Peace a Chance, is a hollow chant that echoes into our war-ravaged souls, right? You know this song. All I am saying is give peace a chance. Now imagine me sitting in bed with my wife right there with a guitar singing that song with a hundred other people in that room. Doesn't that sound peaceful? No. We want peace, but we have no peace. We are warmongers. No one will give peace a chance. There are wars and rumors of war all around the world. Never before has there been more divide in Washington and in our political process. We are divided people in this country. And it's not our politicians' fault. They just feed off of us. And then we feed off of them. And they feed off of us. There are no peace in our families. We're fragmented families, fragmented homes. No peace? Don't worry. Introverts have your solution. Retreat into the privacy of self and your own soul. All you need is quiet and solitude. Except when you probe your own soul, all of us find that there's unrest in ourselves, that there's no peace within our soul, that there's a war within us. Social distancing doesn't bring us peace. Flocking together, what an introvert calls a crowd, or hugs, they don't bring a peace. We are restless, warring conscience inside of us. And the problem with that is that we are always with ourselves. Wherever we go, we cannot escape ourselves. And therefore, we are always restless. There is no isolated beach resort. There is no mountain trail where we can escape the war inside of us. We long and we search 
for peace. We are restless. Turmoil in our soul as we are separated from life. We are separated from God. That's the consequence of our sin as that we are in this unrest and connected to death. Not only are we separated from life, we're connected to death. The moments that we find peace are fleeting and too far between. We are wearied and restless souls. And this is a world filled with broken, restless, warring souls. In the midst of that, Jesus speaks his third word of the resurrection. The first word was, whom are you seeking? And Jesus redeems and renews our perspective and our pursuits, puts it back onto him. Whom are you seeking? The second word we heard last week that Jesus proclaims, do not be afraid. The one in which we ought to be afraid with, the only one we ought to fear, tells us we have nothing to fear anymore because there is no more condemnation because we are with him. He has brought us victory. And then the third word should echo in our souls today. In John 20, 19. On that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors, were be, doors being locked, where the disciples, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Just as Jesus miraculously was resurrected, from the dead, just as Jesus miraculously appeared from behind the door that was locked. He didn't open the door. He just appeared there, miraculous. And in that, as his cowering friends, he beckons to them, peace be with you. Just as miraculous as being resurrected, just as miraculous as coming from behind the door, he speaks to them, miraculous words. Words of pe to people that are uneasy and restless. He says, peace be with you. We know that Jesus is the promised child of peace. We know it because Isaiah prophesies it. It was pronounced at his birth. Here is peace. Emmanuel, peace with them. And Jesus is our peace with us. Peace isn't an internal journey. It is not an outward quest that we find. Peace isn't a collective effort by humans to cease hostilities. Peace is the eternal gift of God. Jesus stood among them in their fear and pronounced peace. In John 20 verses 20 through 21. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He doesn't just stand and say peace. He shows them peace. He shows them his wounds from the cross. The disciples are glad. They're, they're rejoicing in this moment, in their joy. Jesus repeats, peace. Peace in their joy. It's not in our emotions, in our fear, or in our joy that we are restless. Because we are restless in both. And in both, Jesus pronounces, peace 
He knows we need peace in the things that we take joy in and we need peace in the things that we fear. Because peace is a gift that he gives. This is a creative word that Jesus echoes out. Peace. Bestowing peace. Granting peace. And giving peace to his friends. On the cross, days before, Jesus declared in John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That was a declarative and creative word as well on the cross. He declares, the work of peace is finished. The work of reconciliation is done. No more has to be done for this. Because of our sins, because of ours and others and societal sins, we have been separated from God. We live in death. And worse than that, we are at war with God. We are enemies with God. And so there is no peace between us and God, between us and others, between ourselves, between all of creation. But Jesus comes to take care of this problem. He comes to give us peace. So he takes on the cross. He takes on the penalty of our sin, and he dies for us. And then he gives us the reconciliation. He gives us his righteousness so we can be reconciled with God, so we can be with God. Peace is being in reconciled relationship. More specifically, reconciled relationship with God forever. Peace is given to us at the cross. Jesus finishes his, the possibility of peace for us at the cross. That we can now dwell in his presence forever. Isaiah 53, 5. This was predictive. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his wound, with, with, with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 32, 17. And the effect of righteousness, this righteousness which he gives, the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Now, doesn't that sound fantastic? Quietness and trust forever. Can you imagine being in a relationship with absolute Complete trust. No worries. Not worrying what the other is going to do. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have been justified at the cross, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This imputed alien righteousness. This righteousness which is not ours. He doesn't change our righteousness. He gives us his righteousness. It's this alien righteousness given to us. Is our peace. Which results in this quietness. This restful soul. And trust in God forever. In the resurrection. Jesus declares institutes and gives that peace. At the cross, he makes it possible. In the resurrection, he comes into the room and declares it and gives it to them. Peace. You see, the, 
the apostles didn't have peace at the cross. They didn't have peace on the Saturday either. Even though the possibility of peace was already there because of what Jesus has done on the cross. They didn't have it. They were fearful of the room. Jesus had to come and declare it and give them peace. Peace be with you. He says it two times. This isn't just a wish that Jesus utters. This isn't just a greeting. This is a declarative word that he institutes in the resurrection, in the lives of the apostles, and in us. The kingdom breaks in. Peace be with you. The kingdom which is now and not yet. The peace which is already and not yet is breaking in. You see, oftentimes we think about the kingdom and we think about uh, heaven and we think about all these things as the not yet instead of the already. It's both. It is already and not yet fully realized. And what Jesus is trying to tell his apostles that realize your peace right now. It's not later. It's now. We so focus on, oh, the peace that we'll have in the kingdom. Oh, the time that we get to be with God. And Jesus say, no, no, no. I am with you right now. Peace is here. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, for Jesus, the peace that is given by Jesus. The peace of God. The peace of God that is promised and made before the cross and made possible by the cross and given in the resurrection. This peace, which is this word shalom, which we get in, in Hebrew, this deep word of shalom, which is not just a, a ceasing of hostilities. It's just not a calm or a lack of conflict. There's a, there's a depth to this word of shalom, the peace of God. It's, there's, there's an idea of completeness, of, of soundness, of unity, of being one with God, being united with Jesus, which is what the New Testament is interested about. This, this biblical concept of of Peace of Shalom is humanity and all of creation of this flourishing, universal flourishing to the utmost, to the best, to complete wholeness and delight. That's Shalom. That's the peace of God. That's what Jesus is instituting right there in the upper room. Tim Keller in a 2010 sermon on biblical home states this, God created the world to be a fabric. For everything to be woven together and interdependent. And he goes on to illustrate this. And say, If you had a thousand piece threads and threw them on the table, they wouldn't make a fabric. They would just be threads on the table. And the reality is they would probably get all tangled up if you threw them on the table. And then you have a heck of a time undoing them. But threads become fabric when each one is woven together. And the more independent, the more independent, interdependent they are, the more beautiful and the stronger they are. And eventually, you create this incredible tapestry of fabric when God weaves all these things together. And instead of individual threads, it is a woven fabric becoming beautiful, interdependent. Shalom. God created the world with approximately, right, there are seven to eight billion people in the world right now. 
He didn't make them to be threads thrown onto the planet. He made them to be woven together, knitted together, to be beautiful, harmonious, interdependent in relationship. More than that, not just the humans are the threads, but all of creation he has thrown in together to live harmoniously together. The peace in which he brings. Interdependent means there's not, we're connected, we're not codependent, but we have to be together. We're designed to be in relationship with God, with others, and all of creation in a harmonious peace. Colossians 1, 19-20 says this, For in him all the fullness of God, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things. All things. Whether on earth or in heaven. Making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus is reconciling, bringing his peace to all things, not just humans, to all things. In Romans 8, we get to sense that even though we are the first fruit, the humans that are following Jesus, we are the first fruits of this peace, of this being knitted together in this fabric, interdependent, right? We are his adopted children, but all of the rest of creation has been waiting for it, groaning for our redemption so that they can be, it can be redeemed as well in harmonious peace with us, which was in the garden before the fall. All this reconciliation is made possible by the blood of Jesus on the cross and gifted to us at the resurrection. During our Tuesday night, we've been doing this study of helping without hurting. And we're learning that, uh, that all of us are impoverished, right? The idea behind the study is how do we help materially poor people? But the reality of what we've learned is that all of us are impoverished. We all are impoverished because of our sin. And because of other sin, because of systematic sin, we are impoverished in relationships. All our relationships are broken. So we have a definition that poverty alleviation is the ministry of reconciliation. And it's not reconciliation to money. It is reconciliation to relationships. Moving people closer to glorify God by living in right relationships with God and therefore can be in right relationship with self, know who you are, and therefore you can be in right relationship with the rest of creation and actually have a proper work and proper vocation calling upon your life. And then you can be in proper relationship with others. Harmonious, peace. That's the shalom in which Jesus is talking about. That's the good news. That is the peace of God. Peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, and peace with all of creation. Properly restored, reconciled relationships. Jesus goes on and restores and brings peace to our work, to our, to our calling. At the very beginning, he told us to be fruitful and multiply. And we are to be people that multiply right now. Not just in physical forms, right? But, but spiritually, we are to multiply. Our job is to, in the Great Commission, to go make disciples of all people, restoring their peace, introducing them to the Prince of Peace, to the one who brings peace to all things. 
John 20, 21 through 23. He doesn't just say, peace be with you. Grant you peace. He immediately goes into the work with others and the rest of creation. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus empowers, remains ever-present because he gives us the gift of, of himself and that Holy Spirit remains ever-present with us. And he empowers us to do our job, to be peacemakers. He says, do not be afraid. You, you were in fear. Do not be afraid. Get from behind those locked doors because you have me with you, the Holy Spirit. Go preach peace. And this is the great commission according to the gospel of John. The Holy Spirit is given to us in this work. It's not just go do this. It's, I've given you my spirit. My spirit will be with you. I will be with you. Go give peace to people. Transforming from the inside and out. God gives us this peace, that Holy Spirit that transforms us and that will transform others from death to life. God, he gives us, the, empowers us into this ministry to join in his mission this mission of reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation, as 2 Corinthians 5 says. In John 14, this was something he promised to us before his death. John 14, 25 to 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance, all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, he says, I am peace, and I give you my Holy Spirit, who is peace. He is with you. The gift of the Holy Spirit promises and is the gift of peace. In verse 23 in John, right, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then if, your sin, if you forgive sins of anyone, they're forgiven. If you withhold them, they're not. That's not saying that you have the power of God, that you get to issue judgment and condemnation. What it is saying is that if you don't do your job and go proclaim the gospel, people won't know peace and they won't know their sins are forgiven. But if you do your job, people have the opportunity to know peace. If you do your job and preach peace, you preach the, go preach the gospel, you, you, people will have the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. That's the key. The key to the kingdom which he gives us is preaching the gospel. That's the declaration of peace that Jesus brings. Ephesians 2, 17 through 18 and he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you while you were far off. And peace to those who were near. This actually, he's talking about here to, the, to the, the, the Jews who knew what God was, to those that are near, and to the Gentiles who are far off. Jesus preached peace to both. For, the, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This peace is for all people. 
go preach it. This ministry of proclamation of the gospel is the preaching of peace. When Jesus sends out in his life the, the 72, the 72 followers, it is the ministry of peace that he's giving them. Luke 10, 5 through 6. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you. He's, he's already saying, he said, look it, if, if, one of my, if one of God's children is there, a son of peace, your peace will enter upon them. But you've got to go and find them. That's what the preaching of the gospel is. Going and finding the children of peace, whether they know it or not. Go preach peace. This is our calling for all of us that are our adopted children. Go out and proclaim the peace of God. Matthew 5, 9. Maybe you've never heard this passage in this way before. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who preach the gospel of peace. Who don't just this cease conflict. That's not what he said. Just, no, no. To bring in the shalom of God. They are the children of God because God grants them peace, takes them out of their restlessness to peace. We don't just reconcile people out of an absence of war, but we bring them the peace of God. The children of God proclaim the peace of God and they live out the peace of God. So how do we live and preach the peace of God? Just a couple passages that might help us along this path. The Philippians 4, 4 through 9, I, I talked a little bit about this already. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's one way. You want to preach the priest of God? Rejoice in all things, all the time. It goes on. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Be a reasonable person. Don't be argumentative. Think, I want you to think fruits of the Spirit when you engage with other people. Let the fruits of the Spirit work through you. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. It goes back to last week's message. Do not be fearful. You want to be what a person of a peace is. Do not be fearful. Trust in the Lord. But in everything, it be I prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Pray to God without ceasing. Give him thanks. Ask him. Ask him because it shows that you are depending upon him on all things. Be in, in prayer with God. Ask him for all things in your life. Don't expect him necessarily to give it to him. But he wants you to, he, want, he already knows what you need. He already knows what's on your heart. But he wants to be in relationship with you. So pray. Because that's what prayer is. So being at peace with God is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You want to preach peace with your actions? Put your mind on honorable things, pure things, lovely things, true 
things, commendable things. Think of things that are worthy of his praise. I don't know how many times this week that I have had fellow Christians on my Facebook feed or direct email me conspiracy theories. Here's what I will tell you about conspiracy. Most of these conspiracy theories that I have, I don't, whether you believe them or not, you should not spread them because almost all of them bear false witness. Sin. Because they claim things about people in which you cannot and will not know, which are not provable. And so unless you can prove something about something, do not speak it. Do not send it. And forwarding is don't say, hey, I'm just forwarding it. So I'm not saying it. No, you're saying it. It's slander. It's actually libel if you put it in print. It's libel. Bearing false witness. That is not being a preacher of peace. That is spreading fear. That is not things that are honorable to God. That is not things that are honorable to others. You can believe it. But why? Why would you believe something that comes to you that bears false witness? Why would you want to even listen to that? Practice these things. Repeat over and over these things. And the peace, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It won't if you bear false witness. That will just increase that anxiety, that restlessness that's in you. The Holy Spirit is with us, helping us to do these things, to live out these things. In John 14, 26 to 27, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. He will all things and bring you to remembrance that I have said to you, peace I leave you. The primary way in which the Holy Spirit will teach you and help you to remember is through the reading, the proclamation, the study, the memorization of God's word, the words of the Holy Spirit. That's how he'll bring remembrance. So be in his word. You want to be a preacher of peace? You want to be a person of peace? Be in his word. Colossians 3, 14 through 17. And above all these things, Put on love, which binds everything in perfect harmony. Peace. Love brings peace. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in the hearts of God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Put on love, which binds everything together, which brings perfect harmony. So the question for all of us in each moment is, how am I loving God right now? How am I loving others, the person in front of you? In this pandemic in this time in which we're in how am i loving others am i listening for understanding or am i listening for response am i listening to assert my opinions or am i listening to understand what's going on am i listening to assert my needs or am i listening because i want to hear the needs of the other person 
Am I listening to assert my rights or do I want to hear how the other person has felt their rights have been harmed? That's how you love. Listen for understanding. Dwell in the word of Christ. Using that to teach and admonish yourself, first and foremost, and then each other. We don't need to admonish those that don't know the Prince of Peace. We need to give them the Prince of Peace. And then I like this, this singing praises to God. Sing hymns, right? There's not many places in the world where we sing, but in church. We have a bunch of ways. Like if you feel yourself restless, hey, go to our YouTube channel. There's about 36. Wake up with um, Patrice. We got about uh, 20 evening praises. And tomorrow night we have a special evening praise with Marianne. So I encourage you to listen to that. Uh, she's going to recite a poem for us. A poem about anxiety. Can you imagine any of us having anxiety in this moment? Sing praises to God. And in everything, word and deed, the fullness, peace of God. Peace be with you, Jesus says. This is a word of Jesus. This is the word of Shalom. The peace that reconciles all things to God. Jesus is the peace child that never dies. Jesus is the peace child that brings everlasting peace. All I am saying is won't you give Jesus a chance? Jesus calls us and brings peace to us. He makes us children of God, his brothers and sisters, and continue in his mission, peacemakers, being peace talkers, being peace walkers, gospel proclaimers in word and deed. We are children of peace that point others to the son of peace, the prince of peace. By doing so, Jesus is restoring in us our work, our vocation, our focus of our life here on earth. He is bringing peace to us by renewing and restoring our relationship with him, our relationship with self, our relationship with all of creation and the work and the relationship with others, the shalom and peace of God. Children of God, you have been resurrected. You have been redeemed. And you have been restored by the Prince of Peace. Let us be children of the peace of the world. Let us be children and be the peace to the world so others can be resurrected by the Prince of Peace. Greet each other with peace. Greet the world with the peace of God. Peace be with you. Amen.